Good morning, Sunset. As those who've gone before me have already mentioned, it's, it's good this morning to be together and enjoy this fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. And of course, we also enjoy, as the family of God, a fellowship in His mission. And as that gospel has impacted each of us as individuals, we also desire to share it with others that they too may be impacted by Him. There are many ministries here at Sunset that work and strive, and we see kingdom fruit in each of those ministries. And one of those is Sunset International Bible Institute. And it's such a great community here at Sunset for our students who come in from different places to be a part of this family, part of this community, to grow in their depth of knowledge in God's Word, and then to go out to different places. In a couple of weeks, on May 15th, we will graduate 18 students. And they will enter into ministry in the United States, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Thailand, and China. Among these is Brandon Irons, and he has been selected by his graduating class to speak to you this morning. He comes to us from Pueblo, Colorado, and he went first through the Adventure in Missions program and did his field time on the mission field of Cochabamba, Bolivia. After AIM, Brandon worked secularly for a while, but he was encouraged by his brother Paul, who's also an alumni of the school, and also encouraged by one of our faculty to come back and go through the preaching program. He hasn't regretted it. Brandon says this, I have never found a work that purposed me like ministry has. I'm drawn to it. I think I was born to preach, and I'm truly happy when preaching the gospel. Well, we've been truly delighted to watch this young man grow and to hear him speak and preach as he's gone through the school. After graduation, Brandon plans to do an internship in Alaska and then to seek higher education in the area of apologetics. He wants to serve in ministry for the remainder of his life. Brandon, brother, come and preach the word. Good morning, Sunset. It is so good to be here with y'all, and it's so good to study the Word of God and to be in this place. And it's so good to see how God has worked with people throughout all the history of the world. And, and that's something that has always been really special to me, something that's taken a great interest in my life, is history, especially the history of the United States. A few years ago, I was blessed to go all the way to Washington, D.C. for my senior trip, and for those of us that know the city, we know that there's monuments and there's memorials and then there's these massive buildings, museums. And for one that has not been there before, the city could be a little overwhelming for a little guy from Colorado. And there was a time years and years ago where people did come to Washington, D.C., but they were not there to sightsee like we would be doing today. But they were there on a rampage. You see, in the War of 1812, 150 British troops marched up to the White House, and they burned it down. They, they walked in there, and they found a feast set for 40, and they ate the American's food. And they took everything and burned the, the rest of it down. But we know that the White House is built with this marble, and so everything on the inside was burned, but the walls still stood. And a similar thing happened to the Jews their capital was also destroyed because Israel had not guarded their hearts and they had turned away from God. And here is the result of turning away from God. That God had sent prophets to warn them of a coming exile and no one had listened to them. 
Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he marched up and he set Jerusalem ablaze. And he attacked the heart of the Jewish nation. And he tore the walls down and he took the valuables from the temple where God once resided with the people of Israel. They failed to guard their hearts. And this resulted in the destruction of Jerusalem. After 150 years of them being in exile, of Jerusalem being destroyed, we see a man named Nehemiah. And he is brought this news. If you will, open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll be reading the first four verses here. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakiliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel. And Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and, he asked, and I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See here, over a century passes between the time of the destruction of Jerusalem to when Nehemiah takes place. But you see this statement here in verse 3. It says, the wall of Jerusalem is broken and its gates are destroyed. This verse here is the groundwork for this book. This verse that says, the walls are destroyed, motivates Nehemiah to take action, to get out of his comfort zone and to go work for God. And he's going to do that by rebuilding the wall. He's going to do that by working on their hearts. And so let me ask you this, church. What is, going to, what is it going to take for you to build protection for your hearts? Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the, spring, the springs of life. But I like the way that the NIV translates this. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So in a world where temptation and discouragement tries to corrupt your heart, how are we going to protect them? What can we do so we don't end up like Jerusalem with our hearts turned away from God? And here's what we really want to do when it comes to our lives, is I'd like to invite you to do a heart check with me. And here's what I mean by that is Satan is constantly trying to turn our hearts against God. And so we need to identify the ways that he's going to do that and so that we could build a defense against it. But so that we don't get discouraged and we don't get burned out, I want to encourage you to keep building. And finally, I'm excited to show you some really cool things that could come about in our lives when we turn our hearts to God. And so let, let's get into this. Let's look at the situation then the problem going on. We know that Jerusalem is destroyed. We know that their hearts are turned away from God. And so what's Nehemiah going to do about it? In verse, chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing that you were not sick? This is nothing but the sickness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, 
if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. See, from the time that Nehemiah hears the news about Jerusalem to the point where he talks to the king, we're looking at about four months. And what's he doing throughout this time? He's weeping and he's praying and he's fasting, but he's also planning. He's not just turning to God and saying, will you please help them? But he's saying, be involved in my planning process, God, because I want to turn them back to you. But listen to what he says here in verse 8. He says, for the good hand of my God was upon me. He's constantly involving God into his life. When he's got a stressful meeting with the king, he involves God. And isn't that what we should be doing within our lives? Can I tell you something about Nehemiah? I want you to know that Nehemiah is not some dynamic prophet that calls fire from heaven. He's not some studious priest that knows the law of the Lord word for word. He's just a guy that has a heart for God and a heart for the service of God. And he's going to show that by providing service to the people and guiding their hearts back to God. So Nehemiah needs to show them that before that they can make physical changes to their city, they need to turn to God. Because that's truly the underlying issue here. That their hearts are in ruin. Their hearts were in ruin long before the city was set ablaze. Once permitted, Nehemiah doesn't hesitate to travel to Jerusalem. And once he arrives there, he takes a survey of the rubble. He takes a survey of this city and he sees the walls that were torn down. He sees where the fires used to burn. Was this Jerusalem that his parents had told him about? Was this the same city that King David and King Solomon once ruled in? He passes by the gates and he passes by the pools and he sees all the destruction. But he sees that this is a city that is in no state to be running. And this is what it means. That this city is a representation of the people of Israel's heart long before the city was destroyed. It's almost as if God is saying, you want to keep your heart in corruption? Fine, go live in corruption. And then Babylon starts marching over the hill. It's almost as if Nehemiah is doing a heart check for Israel. Because at this time, hardly anyone has a heart for God. And why would they? Because every time that they wake up and they walk around, they are reminded constantly of their failures. They were in exile for over a hundred years and they're reminding themselves daily that they aren't right with God. But you understand that Nehemiah here, he's not just here to build some walls. He's not here to just labor in the sun for a little bit. He's here to work on hearts. So we should be doing a heart check on ourselves, shouldn't we? When the walls of our lives come to ruin, we need to find ways to guard our hearts. How are your hearts doing this morning? How are you doing this morning? Are you internally doing as well as you verbally say that you are? This is what leaving your hearts in ruin can look like. It can look like a lack of motivation it can look like low self-esteem or low self-image or the opposite where you are very self-centered and you hold yourself way higher than you should. 
It can look like not letting people get close to me, and so you put up emotional shields. It looks like a heart that is comfortable and complacent and has no desire to change. Typically, if you're trying to kill something, you're going to go for the heart. Why do you think Babylon came and destroyed the capital of Israel? That was the center place where they conducted their worship. This was the city that had the temple of God. They would travel to go see this place. Is anyone traveling to Jerusalem at this point? If Babylon could leave this place in ruins, it would be a devastating blow to Israel. A heart that is left in ruins is a lot like a capital city that's been burned down. A heart that is left in ruins is not alive and it is not active. It's just like how Jerusalem was not alive and active. Where the temple of God was not in use. And that's where God dwelled with the people. But today God doesn't live in a house made with hands, but he lives in a house not made with hands. And he dwells within our own hearts. But oftentimes, oftentimes our hearts aren't a place that we want to present to God. That maybe we're a little embarrassed to present up to God. So how can we prepare ourselves for God? A start is by building a wall to protect us. And we could start to build a reliance on God. And that brings us to our second point here is, First, we can look at all the problems of our lives, and we can identify those. But it's the progress that we need to be making here. We need to start taking steps towards godly living. And so the next morning, after Nehemiah is done surveying the destruction of Jerusalem, he's going to go talk to Israel. And this is what he's going to say to them. In chapter 2, verses 17 through 18, Nehemiah says here, You see the trouble that we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also the words of the king that had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. I want you to notice Nehemiah's language here that he's not saying, I'm here to fix everything. He's saying, let us build the wall together. But notice he doesn't say, only you're going to build this because you're the ones that had this problem in the first place. He says, the trouble that we are all in. He's going to draw a circle and he's going to step in there with them and says, we can do this together. And isn't that something that you want to see from your leaders? Not someone that looks something like a construction manager, that he has his own work and so he's going to sit in his office while the rest of the people toil and labor under the sun. But he's going to be there along with them laying bricks. Then we come to chapter 3. And without getting into all the minor details of it, you see that just work gets busy. There's rapid construction that happens. And this project that they're working on is more than just building a wall, but it's a partnership. It's about getting Israel to work together again for the nation. And it all starts with the heart. And their desire is to get out of this disgrace and to build their confidence again. And that begins to come back quickly. But confidence is not the only thing that's going to be happening here. They're not just going to build the wall and that's going to be it. 
There's hardship and there's toil that comes along with it. That's just apart from laying the bricks. Read with me in chapter 4, verses uh, 10 and 11. There's rumors that come about this time. It says, in Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. You see, two men came with Nehemiah as representatives of Persia named Sambalat and Tobiah. And, and these two guys, they're not necessarily the nicest of guys. They intend to keep Jerusalem down on its knees, and they're going to do that by rallying a mob. They're going to start spreading rumors around and saying, you see Jerusalem's trying to build itself back up? Let's go and stop that. That way we don't have another enemy. And this scares the workers of Jerusalem. This scares the people that are laying down bricks. It would have been easy for them to stop the progress and just go home. No one has to get hurt. But it's at times like these, the scary times, where we need to persevere to accomplish these goals. And so when these scary times come, when the mob is standing right outside of the walls, look at Nehemiah's response here. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, he says, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. If you drop down to verse 20, he's going to say here, our God will fight for us. It's a reliance on God. It's a reliance on God through the scary times. And the Israelites, they're going to continue to work on the wall after these words are said. While before they're placing these bricks and they're wiping the sweat away, now they have to place bricks with one hand and hold swords with the other hand. Nehemiah is here to guard, guide them back to God. It's more than laying bricks. It's keeping them dedicated to God and then he'll fight for you. See how much more faith that they have in God. When they begin working, and they have this faith in God that he's going to protect them, that they're going to continue building. They're going to continue the work here. And so once they were exiles living in ruins without any hope, and now they're trusting in God so much that they are going to continue building with imminent danger right outside the walls. And this danger is more than just an angry mob. But it is Satan's attempt to undermine their faith. And just like how Satan attempts to undermine our faith today. I want you to understand this morning that adversity and distractions and disheartenment come when we turn to God. And so my encouragement is don't stop building. It's just like from Finding Nemo when Demo, Dory is inside that uh, fish net with the other fish and she encourages them just keep swimming don't stop building don't stop building a protection for your hearts that you may guard your heart above all things don't you know that our god is fighting for us that our god will protect us while we build these defenses it all starts when we turn to god because our god is a mighty and a skilled architect. And oftentimes our hearts can become a real fixer-upper. 
When we recognize that our hearts are in need of help, we turn to God. And we begin making this progress. And bit by bit, we can lay down these bricks or these walls. And the way that that can look is completing study plans in our Bibles. They're not just starting a study plan, but following through to the end. And then finding people and identifying people that can go through the same things as us so that we can converse about it, so that we can encourage one another and build one another up so we could fortify these walls and protect our hearts through faith. If you will, turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. In verses 9 through 12, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. As we partner with one another, as we're continuing to build our hearts together, we come to the same conclusion that only you can fortify your heart. I can't do it for you. Someone like Nehemiah can't do it for you. But the church is here to help. The church can hand you bricks as you fortify yourself. It looks a lot like Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, where it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Above all, to build strong walls, we need to pray. And that can look a lot like just being alone with God. It can look a lot like group prayer. It can look like going out into all of God's creation and seeing His power and glorifying Him with it. The point is to get back to a relationship with God, so don't stop building. It doesn't matter what stage of life that you're in. Perhaps you're graduating. Don't stop building. Perhaps you're starting a new family. Don't stop building for the sake of your family. Perhaps you're starting a new job. We're looking all the way down to retirement. Don't stop fortifying your hearts so that you can look like a godly person on the inside. We still have a responsibility to guard our hearts. And all the things that you do come from that heart. If that's the place of God's residence, don't you want to make it a godly place? Don't you want a secure place for that kind of living? And so we can identify the problems. We can begin to make progress on our hearts. We need to continue to fortify them. And when we do that, we're going to see some pretty cool things come about. We can see the product of this work. And so Nehemiah, he comes to the end of this in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 through 16. It says here, So the wall was finished on the 20th day in the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies had heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. We only reached the halfway point in this book. There's 13 chapters. We're only at the end of chapter 6. And so, what comes about after this? The wall's finished. It's efficient work, to be sure, but what comes next? You don't see Nehemiah packing up his bags and walking away. There's far more work that needs to be done after the completion of this wall. It, this is simply a goal that has been met. And the work's not finished. 
And the same goes for us, that when we meet our goals, we don't just call it quits and say, well, I'm ready to go to heaven. There's always work that needs to be done. What are you going to do once you reach the goals of your life? How does your life change when you begin to look like the Lord and you have a strong faith and you have a pure heart? What are you going to do once you reach that? Look at the good that comes about from the completion of this wall. Just looking purely at the titles of all these different sections. There's going to be a turning point for Israel. There's going to be a secure place for them to meet. There's going to be a celebration and a dedication of the wall. All of Israel is going to be invited to come back together for the first time in a long time. And they're going to worship God. Ezra, the scribe, he's going to come and he's going to read the law to them. But a real statement of their faith is when they celebrate the Feast of Booths. And this is what that looks like, is when they celebrate this, they look at the walls that they had built. They look at the security and their accomplishment, and they walk out the front door into the wilderness. What a statement of faith is that, that they now have a place of security, and they're going to completely rely on God to take care of them when they're out in the wilderness, to live in these tents, so that they can remember a time when that's all that Israel had, before Jerusalem was ever put into place. They're going to rely on God into this time. And this is what they find from it, that when they're in this dangerous place, when they're out in the elements, when they're wondering if the mob is just over the hill, they're going to find the peace of God. And I wish we had all the time in the world to expand more on this peace of God, but I think this verse just sums it up in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. This is where their hearts should have been in the first place. This is where our hearts should be. They had peace beforehand. And when they turned to God, they lost that peace. And now it's found again. See the product that comes back from the, the result from turning to God. That before they were exiles, before they're living in ruins, before their hearts are in ruins. And now they're rapidly working they're studying the law and they're trusting in God so much that they're putting themselves in a vulnerable place. A statement of the renewed state. And that's what I can do with my renewed heart for God. That I can celebrate with God and His Word in a whole different way. It's not this self-promoting celebration here, but it's humble service to the Lord and to His church. And that's what makes our hearts even stronger. This morning, as we draw this to a close, we must remember to take care of our hearts because from them flows everything that we do. So remember, the destruction of Jerusalem was the result of them turning away from God. That when the smoke clears and the piles of rubble stop burning, God shows them that you left me because your hearts left me. And this is what you're going to be living in. But when they come to God, when we turn to God, we find a peace that surpasses all understanding. Again, in Proverbs 4.23, above all, guard your hearts. My encouragement to you this morning is don't stop building. 
Don't stop fortifying your hearts. This morning, if you have any need, if your heart has been turned to God, you can come forward now as we stand, as we sing.